I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning into Hardly TV History, the podcast where three idiots talk about two television shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon and as usual, I'm joined here by Christian. Hey everybody. And Jake. Howdy folks. Well, folks, uh, normally I get upbeat and I talk a lot about the shows that we're about to talk about in some sort of positive manner, even if that show is The Big Bang Theory. I'm not going to do that this week um, (laughs) because uh, I didn't enjoy uh, my time with either of these shows. So, look, I get to uh, to ruin, you know, the intro to the show because I I have to do it. So I get to sort of say whatever I like about these shows and the two just have to kind of sit there and do nothing. So... Um, you know, you can shake I, our heads in disapproval. I, I, hated, I hated, I hated both of them. Um, tisk, now, tisk. Uh, now, uh, we, the, the thematic device that we kind of picked up is, um, is kind of eerily similar in both shows. It's, it's a, it's a narrator who is unnamed, um, who, who's kind of, uh, gossiping about society, uh, in a particularly small group. And uh, we don't know who the author, or in this case, authoress, is. Uh, and so uh, it, it kind of also uh, is involving society and how uh, high society functions, really. So it's it's about high society and a uh, and a, a, an unnamed writer. If you haven't guessed, uh, we are talking about Gossip Girl, and we're talking Bridgerton, which is a new Netflix sensation. Uh, which I was forced to watch against my will uh, for the purposes of this show, uh, and so uh, that's that's enough of that intro. I'm going to throw it to uh, to let's say Jake. Is it Jake? Yeah, I'll I'll do I'll do Gossip Girl. Good. I just want it's 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 good to see that we're staying unbiased and we don't we don't give mm. our intentions away and our but, our thoughts away too early on in the episode. The way I, I see it, guys, that. is that there's two there's three of us, and the reason that we're here is that there's balance. You and Christian are balanced, and then I just get to do what I want. That's generally you're, how I've run this. You're the chaos. In the yeah, yeah, you're the. Yeah, I'm, I'm the id. Is that right? See, is it? Well, am I the id? The id and the ego. Yeah, I, or maybe I'm the ego. I don't know. Uh, probably the ego is about right. The Gossip yeah. Girl <laughs> is about uh, it's it's about privileged uh, teens living in the Upper West Side of New York, and we start off at a train station meeting. The main character is Serena with three last names: Vander something. Vanda Woodson, which is a bit ridiculous, but based, basically it's a, the story about her coming back to the new school year when she left on mysterious terms last semester, and all all very sudden. And you you go basically going through their group of small friends and how her return affects their immediate social life. Yeah, this this whole show is very much about people's social standing and their impacts that each of their activities has on their social standing so that was a is that's kind of the crux of it for me it's all about image and reputation and then you've got also got the mysterious author as shannon mentioned earlier it's it's a a columnist or a a a new source called gossip girl Mm -hmm. Uh, and she she posts about all the social events happening at this at this school for this this social 
Uh, I don't know where she comes from or no one knows where she's from or how long she's been doing it. But you start off with her kind of reporting that Serena's back and how it's going to mess up the whole school year. She seems to be omnipotent. She she doesn't isn't bound by things like walls or space and time. She just is narrating the show as it stands without actually being physically present in, in a lot of these, these situations. Think, is that I right? What, I think what's kind of happening is that she's kind of doing a report every night or so on the events that are happening. And you're just getting the little snippets as they happen, as she kind of recalled it. So I don't think one person could be there the whole time and do it. I think what's happening is she's getting reports throughout the evening and then she's, or she is making a, a column or something of an overall arching thing. Yeah, that's right. So she's got a website. You see that in the first episode. Oh, okay, sorry. And people are submitting tips and things. So that's how she's getting the news. And the narrations are always done from the point of view of her. she's telling the story. It's it's looking at things in the past tense. Um, so that is how I imagine it. And so the narration is kind of contem- talking about contemporaneous things, but it, it seems to take place after the events that are happening on the screen. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, so she could she could be at the party or she could not be at the party, and yep. then she's just reporting back on it the next day or you know the night of or whatever. And she's only reporting events that other people could have witnessed and therefore reported to her. Is that is that what well, we're? No, I, th- I, th- I think because you're following the main characters around, they're obviously involved very heavily. They, this report would be for people who weren't invited to the party who go to the school but aren't at the social events. Yeah, but, I mean, all the characters are checking it fairly religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, but but are we, we, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm across this. So she she's this, this uh, person is getting information and the only thing she ever voiceovers in the show, in this episode, is things that happen that other people could witness and then tip her off to. So there's there are situations where it's just two characters. She doesn't voice over any of those she this is she is genuinely someone who can only access information where others could have tipped her or she could have seen herself is that right i would assume so yes well that uh, even where there's situations where she doesn't narrate she'll often narrate the bits afterwards i'm thinking about scenes where you see the characters exiting a, a party or something like that and she her narration pops in but her narration is entering at that point where people have seen them exiting the room and then speculating about what's it, going on it, in the, in the back seem, room. It did seem like she they played to that rule, that she can only narrate stuff that she's seen or that someone could have seen and then tipped her off to. It doesn't seem like she's got an omnipotent power to just report on anything. That's that's That was my that was my takeaway from the first yes. episode, right? Yeah. Okay, good. We've got, we've got there somewhere. All right. Um, now... Uh, <laughs> Let's talk characters. Let's talk. Let's talk stars. Let's butcher people's names and largely forget them. Okay, that's what my job is. I want to start with uh, with Ed Westwick, who played Chuck Bass. Yep. Now, I want to start there. I want to start there because I think I think he is the oddest choice of casting I think I've ever seen. For what someone who's well, I think he's meant to be this suave, uh, almost you know, exclusive member, but he looks like a serial killer. <laughs> it just no, but see, he looked look evil. I think that's that's perfectly cast because because he's he he's immediately rapey twice in this. Yeah, show. is that is that so, is, it, is so smack you in the face? This guy looks evil, so he has to be evil. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just it, it just he just seems so serial. Killer. I didn't get evil vibe right at the start. Like it quickly developed that way. I mean, the first time you see him, he's at the part. He's at a, a, a function type thing, and he's sitting there swinging. It looks like scotch, presumably some kind of high high uh, 
high value liquor and he's got the two girls hanging off to the side of him and you immediately think this guy's a bit of a player and i, I was getting vibes of do you remember in american pie um They've got the friend who's kind of skinny and I can't remember the character's name. Is this the Shermanator? Is that where we're going? Not the Shermanator. No. no. no uh, you think the one, the one that... The, the, uh, Eddie K. Thomas. The, 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 the guy who went... Finch. 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 On the That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I forgot all about that. It's been a long time. doesn't shit at school. has to shit at home. That's yeah, exactly right. So explicit warning, Joe. So <laughs> I had, some, um, I had some, some visions of Finch. Uh, as as Chuck, so he just had that that vibe where it was kind of this faux sophistication, and and that's kind of masking um, something else. He he has what in the industry, and look, I, this is a peek behind the curtain. He has creep face, um, yes. and unfortunately, he is perfectly cast, and and he doesn't even try to hide how creepy he actually is. Um, I will point out uh, that actor Ed Westwick has been uh, has had many allegations of sexual assault. Uh, in real life, has he? Um, he has I'm a number of them. So you know, I don't, don't look. They haven't been proven. I just want to throw it out there that he's definitely had those allegations against well, him. Could this be a case of life imitating art? It certainly could, because in the first episode, he's creepy. He's actually rapey twice. Mm. Like, and without any like, shame at all. In successive nights. And then he's just like, yeah, it, it's a party. It happens. I just wanted to, yeah. He, he's, got face. They, they are in high school. Am I right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, I'd say, they're I'd say all they're... 35. Can we look? <laughs> I, I just want to talk to Hollywood. There are enough teenage actors who are genuinely in high school that you can actually fill a teenage high school drama well, with high was, school students. He was only 20. So, I mean, he's not he's not playing and that ridiculous. still too old to be. Blake Lively looks about 35 in this. <laughs> I know she's not, but she still looks way too old to be in high school. Is it because you know what Blake Lively looks like now? No, I'm just. She looks exactly the damn same. She does. Um, Mrs. Ryan Reynolds, I'll have you know, you speak highly of her at all times because you know, friend of the <laughs> show. I, I didn't say anything. All I said was her name. So it's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm just making anyway. sure. Just, um, well, do you, do you want to go back? Let's go. Do you want to go back to her and and, and we'll start with her then? Yeah. I, well, I think you, I think I just want to just one more. Ed Westwick has an infinitely punchable face, yes. um, and like perfectly cast in my view. See, he's he's an English actor, isn't he? He he is, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost wonder if it would be better if he was English, like he's just he's just come over here in some way because he has that the American accent just seems off to me. I, I do, I do. Mm-hmm. Interesting why you'd cast an English person in an American high school kid role. It doesn't. Yeah. It seems odd that that's there's not a another creep face that you could that you could hire to mm. do that role. It also has Penn Badgley in it, who who's also um, was incredibly popular for another another Netflix show called You, in which he plays a serial killer. He's actually likable in this. Like he's he's um him and I think the best part of this show is when him and Blake Lively are together because they seem to have a kind of a natural chemistry about the two of them. Is it just me? Like I know I'm being really nitpicky now, but the haircut they chose to put him in made him look like like a like a Dumbo character. Yeah, I think was that I think that was intentional because I think he's supposed to look poor. Is that kind of the intention? Because yeah. they're not as is a, a shaved poor. I don't know. Is that yeah? It, so, it, just, it, odd, it seems like an odd choice for a, for someone who's going to be your main character to give a really bad haircut to. Yep. No, but he comes from a, a sort of dysfunctional family. So his dad is an ex musician, and he's kind of living in this swanky area, uh, running a, a, a gallery. And they make a point of the kids having a conversation with the dad explaining, you're sent, you, you don't like these people, you don't like this you know, capitalistic system, but you send us to a, 
a, a posh private school, and he argue, he argues that it's for their education. So they're kind of they're kind of the, they're set up to be like the poorest kids at the school, but probably the ones with who are the most down to earth and likable. That's kind of how I interpreted their their trope. But I do agree, he is very likable in this, and he comes off the off the bat the most likable person probably of the group other than maybe Serena herself. So um, it, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good acting straight away. I think that it's let down by its adult cast. I think any, every adult in this show is terrible. That would be my view. I think uh, the Penn Badgley's dad is terrible. I think um, Serena's mum is terrible. Uh, and that scene that they have together where they're kind of like passively aggressively kind of hate flirting yep. is is woeful in the gallery. Yeah, I think it's really let down by its adult cast. Uh, it, it strikes me a bit as OC, as the OC, and I think the OC kind of grounded yeah. its show in its adult characters and let the kids yep. kind of be a little bit more more dramatic, whereas I think the, this is the opposite. I think the, the adult characters are are annoying and shouldn't be there and just let the kids do what they need to do. They were they were probably weren't as heavily scrutinized for the casting as the the kids were because the kids are the ones who really drive this show. It's all about the young people, their dynamics and their relationships. The adults um uh are uh, players to an extent, especially when they're pressuring their kids to do things, you know, look good for this or dress up this way or help us help us secure this upcoming contract that XYZ's family is going to be working on because we could really use that that income. Um, so that was uh, their main contribution. Uh, yeah, they're not otherwise they're not particularly big players. They're kind of players supporting role here and there. But I just feel like that they they went for like B or C list celebrities and they couldn't get them, so they kind of had to settle for just whoever turned up to casting call. Yeah, and I, I think apart from Penn Badgley and uh, and and uh, Blake Lively. Uh, they they strike me as hallmark kind of movie, sort of handsome enough but not handsome enough to be A grade characters. Yeah. These, these kids, none of them are particularly engaging, and the the, the kind of passive aggressive arguments that they have just don't they don't they don't do they're not good enough to carry those. Uh, those types, the type of dialogue. The dialogue is clunky. It's smacks of '90s to me. Like it, it, I was surprised it was as late as it was um, in when it was filmed. It just, it, it feels like a pilot, and I have no doubt that this show will probably get better. Um, but it feels very wooden and very um, stagnant in in the way it's delivered. I, I don't know if if you you agree with that, but I just. I- I think the problem with this is they they tried to they they got so many characters and so many plots going on all at once they needed to they kind do. of step back and introduce the characters before they tried like like Serena and um, Dan are already introduced and dating before the first episode is even done and you, mm. you feel like everything's really rushed and you don't get to spend any time getting the story behind of what's going on in the past Th- and you, those two are terrible yeah. like they are a weak link in this cast those two but, sorry who. The, the, that couple, the the couple that are already together, uh, um, Nate and Blair. Yeah, they're terrible. Yeah, but that's that's the premise of the first episode. Is that kind of coming unpicked and starting to unravel because there's that tension there with Serena, and they yep. you have a flashback moment in there where they they show where they've been um, intimate. Um, no, I get that. I just I think that they're really it's, weak in terms of their acting. But it's just it's just too yeah. fast. They're, they're they're really just throwing a million plot points at you already without even really considering getting to know the characters at all. What, yeah. Why, what's the what's the what's the value in doing this 
as a as a pilot episode to just chuck a whole bunch of characters and see which one sticks is that do, is it do they then do a whole bunch of market research to see which characters stood out and which ones didn't because it seems that you can bring in subsequent characters after the fact and cut a whole bunch of these kind of interweaving storylines that are happening and just focus on your main four or five kids you want to put front and center and the rest can kind of come later i don't understand why we're trying to get so many characters it's crammed into a 45 minute starting plot like pilot i know you need an exciting event to to kind of lead off things with a big party but i think what really should have happened is they should have had the first day of school where everyone kind of welcomes serena back and their talk of the party and then the party should have been the next episode i think that would have been the better way to do it instead of worrying about about getting everyone already at the party explaining what's going on who relationship to who before you've even really met the characters? Potentially. Look, I, I disagree with what you're saying there, Shannon. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things happening, but I think what they're trying to do is do a bit of world building. They're trying to set up all these different players and the show strikes me as a thing that's all about the dynamics and the relationships and the betrayals and the rises and the falls and the and the, the drama that happens as a part of that. So what they're trying to do is put in pl- basically set up, the, set up the world with all these different cogs and players that are operating. So that made sense to me and I, I could follow it. It made... But I really enjoy those types of, you know, uh, political intrigue, drama-y type TV shows. So that was that was good for me. I I, it, I wasn't just sort of sitting there watching the same people all the time. I was getting to see the machinations, the extra little bit of drama. Where is it? Rufus and Serena's yep. mum turned on yep. each other. That's interesting. I'd like to know more about that. That sort of thing. I, I just wonder if it would have been better with more mystery. Like why would why was um, Nate being so weird towards Serena without actually being seen? I think they just wanted to rush the point, and they wanted mm. to be have the, the the wow factor really quickly. And I think that's that was where they got let the show down. I mean, I understand the, the acting and stuff. Everyone was a bit nervous, and the pilot didn't gel as well as they could. But I think the biggest problem was the pacing, and I think they were they were really trying to rush through yep. the exciting events to get everyone hooked. I think that's a fair a fair criticism, and I think that the the thing with the party was very rushed. You probably could have spent a bit more time on that and developed that, and maybe had some more stuff happen there. Um, I think the really weird meeting between Serena and Blair, I think it was, uh, uh, when they they agreed to give each other a half hour. Yeah, Shannon, you didn't like the dialogue, but I found the dialogue quite quite good. It was very snarky and very bitchy, but, but that's what the show is is pitched at and what they're what they're going for. So that made perfect sense to me. Yeah, I I don't necessarily agree with uh, with those criticisms. It, it wasn't. It, it's 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 the Game of Thrones without the wit, the locations or dragons. Or dragons. And I'm just kind of like, well, either give me one of those three. I mean, Gossip Girl with dragons, I can get behind. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. I just, I didn't find it witty. I didn't find. I found it slow. It was a really, it was a long 45 minutes for me. I mean, look, I get that I'm not the target audience, and we'll get the hate mail and make sure you spell my name right. Um, mm. But it's. It just it doesn't it didn't do anything for me in terms of that, and I just found it really cheesy. I found they were trying to amp the drama up, but I just it just was like a Hallmark movie for me, and I just the pacing's all wrong. I know like it's almost like they had every idea that they had for this show and they threw it up against the wall, and whatever stuck was the, was the plot. So you've got you got two occasions where Edwick. Ed Westwick's character tries to rape someone to, twice in a forty five minute series. Mm. You know, this is the pilot. That character's got 
nowhere else to move now. That character must be hated for the rest of his his time on screen. He's a, it's a, he's in 122 episodes. That's right. But you see right at the end of the of that pilot episode that him and Blair are, are put into the shot together. So they kind of get portrayed as potentially they're going to be allies in a way. And a, a big crux of the show is going to be rotating uh, rotating around them against the world and also the rest of the characters against them. But I feel like the relationship between their parents and the kids were forced really, really early as well. Like you obviously you had you had Blair's mum is obviously a bitch. You've had, you know, Nate's dad's obviously a businessman and wants to riddle his way into his son's life, has to go to Dartmouth. All these things they have to do and it's just it's, like you said, Shannon, they force it onto you very early on. And I, I just feel like they just had every idea under the sun. They wanted to get every detail done in this first forty five minutes. But I think the biggest problem overall is that it just wasn't paced right. I noticed that in the intro sequence that um, Gossip Girl was based on a book and I can't help but wonder if perhaps that is part of the problem because the book would have obviously had a lot more time to weave these plot points and construct the world and introduce the characters and could have provided additional context and, and um, background before it started launching this complexity. Is it just that they've tried to um, take too much of the book and, and portray too much of it and lay too many, and plant too many seeds in the first episode, do you think? But even if you got one full episode, I mean one full season, you've still got a full season to flesh out these characters. And I think I think everyone was just so scared of getting a pilot back in two thousand and seven, they just wanted to make it the, the most bombastic you could possibly can. And I just don't think it I don't think it worked this way. And let's also talk about the fact that it came out in two thousand and seven. So that's thirteen, fourteen years ago now. And TV, the T V media environment looked a little bit different than it does now. So I believe that network TV, broadcast TV would have been um, a lot more popular back then. So they really were trying to compete with your, your much more popular established sitcoms. I mean, it wasn't too long after Friends and that had, had sort of finished. So this is kind of a, a, an attempt to make something that's a bit more edgy. I mean, I'm just trying, trying to think, does it sort of compare to something like Melrose Place or something back in the 90s? Does, is, it, is it for teenage girls? Is, it, is that the target audience? Because I'd be pretty concerned about that that being the audience and having them exposed to it because to me it doesn't speak to adults it speaks to to teenagers because it's kind of it's kind of kind of trying to to ape and replicate their social circles turned up to 11 right so these themes that these kids talk about they there's there's drug references there's obviously sex there's well we've said it twice now but rape these are pretty, pretty, you know, horrible things and themes to be to be showing kids. It, it to me, it looks like it's pitched at fifteen year old girls, and, and I, I don't know, I don't know who who it's for. I mean, it clearly, it clearly got a market because it's it's it did seven seasons. That's your age gap. I think you're looking at you know fifteen to kind of even even earlier thirteen to kind of eighteen year old girls. But I just I really wonder why they push drinking so heavily in in this in this show. Like everyone's drinking. Without any real care from the adults. Yeah, but they also show that um, Serena is got a got a drinking problem. Like, oh, that's heavily alluded yeah. to by some of the the scenes. Yeah, well, just, Gossip Girl says that she's got a, a drinking problem because she's the word is she's she enjoys it a little bit too much. That was yeah, but it just seems weird. Like they're openly drinking at a bar. Like it's just what are yep. you doing? Yep. So I think that that is trying to reflect that these are very privileged young people. They're living in a in a world where they've got access to pretty much all the resources that they could possibly want, and with because that the, becomes the name they're 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 allowed to. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, like um, Chuck actually owns the restaurant 
that they're in. Like his family owns the restaurant at, at one point. So he can do whatever he wants. He can, he actually says to um, Serena, oh, I can get you some food made. It's not on the menu. And it's some kind of grilled sandwich it's with truffle oil. He, he would get a toasted cheese sandwich with truffle oil. Truffle you oil. rich devil, you. Um, truffle like, oil makes it expensive. But you can buy did, truffle oil at Coles, guys. Like, let's come down <laughs> Did, did she drop his name to get the drink? Or he, he, he goes, oh, no, she's already she drinking the bar. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. Like, Chike, oh, my name's Serena Vander Woodson. Um, I, I, just I, think, I think it's just they're just a privilege. They, everyone knows who they are, and therefore yeah. they're just, no one would say no to that family, I think is the implication. Um, I, I'd like to see some positive rich young people on TV because I don't think there is. I mean, who's the – they're either superheroes – like they're, t- they're Tony Stark or they're Batman, um, or they're um, rich, drunken ass hacks. Like that's, that's all rich think- people get. I mean, not enough rich representation on TV, guys. Like, come on, stand up for it. You want positive role models, but I, I think that's actually part of the. Um, I think that's part of the change media environment nowadays. Like back in two thousand and seven, obviously it wasn't a thing. Uh, they were they were quite happy to portray these quite negative characters and with quite negative themes, and that was very popular as we saw. I mean, Gossip Girl became quite popular and, and went on for a number of different seasons, whereas the media environment and society and culture have changed now. So that's actually a really interesting reflection about our difference in expectations now versus then. But you're also, you're, you're also opening yourself up for change and a character arc. Like that's true. Serena, Serena, yeah. has, Serena has a drinking problem, but she's ultimately a nice person. Like he, she well, says many times, she's a, well, it says many times that she's a nice person and you know, my sister was right about you. You are a nice people, person. People, a dude who wants to get in her pants thinks she's a nice person. Let's not go crazy. I, I, I think you, I think it's meant to show that she's a nice she person. Also, what she about with her brother? She also, well, she also banged um, her best friend's partner. But she's made uh, mistakes and she's moved. She went away for a while. But, but isn't, isn't that a flaw? Couldn't that have been held as the big secret? And yes. there's just a whole illusion that, like, yes. you you immediately there's a portion of the audience who then immediately go, I don't want, I don't like any of these characters. They're all terrible. Um, and the only one that probably gets away with it is, is Penn Badgley's character and his sister. Um, and maybe the kid who committed, tried to commit suicide, Selena's brother. Serena, like, Serena's brother. Yeah. There's not a, there's not a great deal of good characters that you want to put your teeth into here. I, I, I don't know what, what's the go with these characters that aren't sympathetic early yeah. on. Look, I, I think Jake's probably right. I mean, I haven't watched the show beyond the first episode, so I, I can't tell for sure. But I think you're right, Jake, in that they're, they're setting up a world where they can bring in new characters and these char- the new characters are going to be aligned to one side or another or manipulated to go backwards and forwards and they're going to sort of fit into the machinations of the the Blairs and the Serenas and the, you know, whoever else happens to, to stick their finger in the pie and, and try and stir up some drama. That's kind of going to be the engine of the show going forward that constant dynamic and power struggle between those different factions but you're not giving me anyone to root for like if if a pilot is designed to get audience the audience in to suck you into a story they gave you too much up front so there's there's either too much character development or not enough and so you don't get any likable characters um and there's nothing to suck me in. There was no, I, there wasn't even a cliffhanger ending, as in what happens after this. It's just there's a whole bunch of just old creep face making sort of idle threats. That's it. Yeah, but the, in the first episode, the characters you really that you're, you're being led to like are Serena and. 
Pam Badgley, who's, I can't actually remember his character's name, and his sister, exactly. like you said, they're exactly. kind of the good characters. But there's enough flaws in them and there's enough other stuff going on that you could easily see them becoming bad characters and you're sort of turning against them. And there's a few moments there where you start to see Blair have like a, a, a beginnings of a – or like the, the seeds being planted of a redemption arc where she starts being friends with um, Serena again and then chatting in that, you know, half-hour conversation. So there's – there's bits and pieces there. There's some seeds being planted and there's some opportunities to explore that as you go later on down the, down the road. But you have to be the kind of person who enjoys that as a, as a story. So, boys, can we go a little bit deeper? I want to I get down into some of the more detailed, I suppose, subtext of this episode. I want to talk about Jenny, Penn Badgley's sister, who gets an invite to this big party because she is a good calligrapher and she, she agrees to write up all the invitations. And I found that interesting in that it's this expo- exposition of you've got this in-group of people at school or wherever it is, and the only way you can actually get into that group if you aren't already kind of born into the privilege that they have is by being useful to them. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a, an interesting reflection. Um, and then you can see what happens to her in that episode with Chuck effectively um, trying to assault her. How you you don't they those characters still don't respect you. They're only using you for their own their own particular benefit. I thought that was a really interesting thing for them to do in the in the episode. See, it's also bullshit because I was an ace calligrapher and not one hot chick wanted anything from me at all. I yeah, was just, that's, that's more I'm your just, personality. So oh, exactly. I'll, I'll just that's tell you that. Yeah. So okay. But, yeah, so it's, it's, but it's I think that's very obvious. I think that's a good tool as well, though, to show that, you know, Serena doesn't see people like that. I think it's a good tool to show that Serena's different to everyone else. Yeah, Well, she shows that, Je- that she'll talk to Jenny, even though Blair says, no, you can't talk to her. She'll go out of her way to say hi to Jenny and give her fashion advice and then really care about her when, you know, it's Dan's sister. I think it's, it's so trying she, to show she, that she's she different. as bad as Blair is what we're, what we're going to lead to believe. Like we, we believe that she's had a complete... 180 in her personality. But you don't, you don't, don't only, know only, that. Only right. information you have about Serena is that she she cheated on her on her best friend uh, with Nate. That's all. That's all you know about. And she had a dream. Who was the leader of that little clique of? But no, you, you don't. You don't see that Ooh, she. You don't but see you, it. But you un, you understand that that's that was her role. Well, no, you understand. You understand that she would used to be the queen bee, hmm. and now that Blair's the queen bee. But you don't understand. So what she kind was of the queen bee, but just polite to everyone and lovely. Is that all we're? Yeah, well, we don't know. We don't know. That's clearly the influence is, is that she. I don't. I don't think it, I don't, void that Blair has jumped into to her void, and filled that kind of nasty mean girl stuff. And everyone's quite surprised at how chill and relaxed she is when she comes back. Right. That's that's the inference that I drew from that character is that she's grown and she's become this completely different person. And 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 she gets her kick the cat moment really early on. Like she gets to, yeah. to you know save save the the. You know, be be nice. The the convoluted way she ends up with bloody Penn Badgley and I all that stuff is dross. I just all of that I hated, by the way. Oh, it's um, dross, is it? <laughs> I, 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 I think that that I can put that down to movie magic, and you yep. know, it just has to happen Absolutely. that way. Crap, I'm mean, watching a TV show. Cool. Yeah, I, I understand. Like that, like the time really bugs me, but that I kind of just gotta let slide because it has to happen in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't. I don't Hollywood writers like. You I don't think you know. Cash. I don't think you know enough about Serena to make that judgment call. Yeah. I think. You, I think they're just showing that she's a very different person, as you said in the last episode of the Big Bang Theory episode, Shane. They're showing that the two main characters are very different people. 
Mm. My point right. was that yeah. they were not different enough. That was my point. Yes, but, but, yeah, so you this angry, and you, but no, you were angry about that, and now this 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 episode is showing that they're very different people. But it, but it feels unearned. Like she's gone away and she's done a full one eighty. There's no way I don't know that you can draw an inference that she was like that before she left, and she's the same person. It's that it just makes no sense if she comes back if she's the same person that went away. So she had to be Queen Bee, and she had to be the head mean girl in that click in order for that to make sense. But even if she was, it doesn't really matter because she seems to have had some kind of changing event and they infer that she has had events happen to her that have impacted on her quite significantly. The biggest one they talk about in that episode is her brother's attempted suicide and he's obviously still quite unwell because he's still very frail and still needs um a fair bit of attention in order to to go about his day, and go, she was offering to take him out for lunch for breakfast, and that was going to be a really big thing. And he still wasn't really up for that yet. So, for all we know, that could have been the defining event that's sort of shifted her mindset and and put a bit of humility into her. Maybe we don't know. We don't know. We, we've only seen one episode, and it doesn't tell us the reason why. Yeah, I haven't seen enough of of her, and quite frankly, I don't think I'm going to go back to this universe. As far as you might be all shocked, shocked out there. Yeah, um, I just got two, a might- couple more points to to go through um first thing i want to talk about um and i'll just really briefly touch on this one was i thought it was really interesting how the portrayal between the parents and the kids the relationships between them really showed that even though the kids are very privileged and very wealthy they still had to meet certain expectations from their parents their parents are pressuring them to do certain things for them they had to dress in certain ways they had to um, help the family business out and that sort of thing so the kind of subtext there for me was that even though the kids are more privileged and they're wealthy and they've got extraordinary resources they're not free and they're not as easy living as as you might particularly uh, expect the last thing i wanted to mention just before we we move on to the next show was the soundtrack i don't know if you guys noticed but it's actually got some pretty big names in the soundtrack in the, in the background music um which you don't normally tend to see that you kind of have ambiguous music whereas these had specific tracks from people like rihanna justin timberlake you know that sort of thing um so i thought that really fleshed out the world and made it seem a little bit more authentic i just want to say real quickly before we move on as well is that um it was developed by josh schwartz um who did who was on who did the creator of oc and i feel like they've really they've really tried to change it's very similar to the OC, but very different at the same time. And I feel like the the adult characters weren't represented as well as they did on the OC. And I feel like they, they should have learned a better lesson than they did. So it's a bit surprising to see that that they kind of fumbled the ball adult-wise on this one. Yeah, and uh, I just I also just want to point out uh, before we move on that I could hear Tom DeLong in the in the last stages, but it wasn't a Blink song, so I can only assume it was an Angel in the Airways. So they've hung their hat on that banner. Um, I wouldn't have I would have gone something a little bit more contemporary. Uh, there's also a MySpace reference somewhere in there too. Yes, so it kind of dated <laughs> some um, in terms of uh, of what we were watching. Um, moving right along to to strikingly similar proposition, really in terms yeah. of Bridget. Um, which is hot as shit at the moment on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I, I, I looked at it and looked at the thumbnail and went, that is not a show for me. And um, thanks to the magic of this show, I had to watch it. Christian, <laughs> what did I watch? Sure. Well, you watched a show that was v- very similar to Gossip Girl in some ways and very dissimilar in others. So the basic plot of Bridgerton is it's, it's exploring, I suppose, the debutante season in early 1800s England in a kind of weird alternate reality type of world um, where we were introduced to a couple of families and the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons. Bridgertons. 
There we just, go. Oh, I just got that because they had feathers on them when they came in. Oh, I get it. Yeah, the Featheringtons. So the Featheringtons and the Bridgertons, and it's all about the uh, adventures of the families trying to set their daughters up to get married uh, as part of like the, the the courting process. So if anyone's ever seen any period dramas like um, um, Pride and Prejudice, you know, by Jane Austen and things like that, it's set in that kind of a world where a woman's prospects are very much linked to who she marries, um, and her family are very uh, intimately associated with that decision as well. So, with that, let's open up the the, the show. With I want to start with probably the first most obvious thing, which is, wow, the sets, man, the sets are pretty full on and the costumes are, are, are pretty full on like it's just this blast of color pretty much as soon as the episode starts that that was the my, my big, big thing when i first watched it is just how colorful it was and how um how colors are going to play a big part in the sh- in the story going forward i was blown away by how good this looked mm. and it's, it's a completely different set and you can just you can tell some coins gone into this show and they've put they've kind of put the the money in the bank on this one yeah, and when the show opens, you start off with a narration, which in Gossip Girl, we had the narration from Gossip Girl bringing the, the show, and this show started very, very similar. You had the narration from who we learn is Lady Whistledown, who runs the – it's basically the 19th century Gossip Girl, um, which is Lady Whistledown's magazine. And interestingly enough, I found out that the narrator is Julie Andrews. It is. It is, and I saw her in the credits and didn't see her in real life, so that, that mm. was the, the uh, connection I made. The narrator for Gossip Girl is Kristen Bell, which really? is very interesting to say as well. Now, unfortunately, this really shows that we don't talk about this stuff off off uh, off uh, mic, um, because like when you're shown a friend's play that you don't like anything about, you have to try and reach for stuff. I was going to compliment it's both its lighting and the set uh, and the <laughs> costumes because I don't have anything else nice to say. So thank you for oh, stealing that. Come off that. It. Oh, really? Um, let's, let's, okay. start with the, let's start with the characters after this because I think the act, yep. I think the acting is Give really good. Sec. Give us a sec. I just want to talk about color for a second. I think. Okay. Oh, oh, Shannon, I think, here we go. I think the thing about no, the thing about color is, I think, is when people think period, they think no color, and I, th- I actually think that's really incorrect. Historical documents show and photos show that there was a ton of color, Absolutely. and people don't choose, choose to show it because it doesn't look old timey. So I think this is kind of the first period that's actually picked up on. There was heaps of color in those in those eras. They just didn't didn't show them on screen. I can actually help you with this one. And I think a big part of the reason for that is because our conception of what the old days were is things like black and white and the Victorian era, which is very dark and gray, which is for a variety of different reasons for itself. Interestingly enough, even in the ancient world, we see statues like of marble statues and we think that they look very you know, classical and regal. In ancient times, we know by analysis of those statues that they were actually colored and painted. So the, the ancient world was much more colorful and it wasn't this pristine classical white marble type, type appearance. It was very, very um, almost gaudy in a lot of ways with colours everywhere. So historically accurate is actually something it should be praised for and it, people are like, oh, my mm. God, it's so colourful. It's kind of like, well, at least they're getting close to something that's that's accurate. I, I want to say, though, I think the colour is really is really emphasised in this. Like, I, I think there's almost almost drawing your attention to it on purpose because of the colours. I, I, I was really I – wasn't, I wasn't blown away because, oh, it's, it's – um, it's, it's very colourful because it's old-timey. I was blown away by how colourful it was on screen. And mm. I, 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 was, I, was, I'm praise, I was praising it because of how good it looks. Yeah, it, it really does look really good. The, the costumes are really great. The colours in the, in the costumes are fantastic. The scenes are almost opulent in how filled out they are with extras and props. There's, the, the buildings look sensational. They 
really don't shy away from showing the fact that they've got, you know, a bunch of horse-drawn carriages rolling up and down the street. Um, they didn't look like they were CGI to me. They looked like they were really there. So, a lot, like you say, Shannon, a lot of money and a lot of care and a lot of effort has gone into portraying this world. And it really does do the job of giving you the sense of opulence and privilege that this world that we're gazing into really has. Um, and they one of the characters who's living with the Featheringtons, who's a young girl, who Miss 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 Thompson, I think her name is. Yep. Um, she's come from a, a less privileged family, is staying with the Thompsons, uh, with the with the Featheringtons, described as a charity case, um, and she turns out to be very very popular. Um, because she's very beautiful, and that kind of caused some issues for for her with the Featherington household. But um, she, she kind of comments on how privileged everyone is here and what kind of a world they live in. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but on the back of every carriage is always like two two horse uh, two two ushers or grooms who are with the, the 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 following the horses around. Often you only see one footman sort of floating around the joint in in movies. Presumably, I don't know which one's more historically accurate or the other. But just the fact that there's so many people on screen in costume and makeup and outfits just shows the amount of resources that that netflix have thrown at this yeah certainly a lot of cash that's for and sure i think it's i think it shows i mean it shows by I mean, one the reception of it how popular it is and and by two by how the, i think the quality of the acting is really really good in this i it mean there's is. no real big names in the in the show other than probably the narration but other than that there's no real big names that you Im- immediately know who they are but i think Everything is really genuine and really quite good. How dare you? Polly Walker, who plays Lady Featherington, is in this show, and she is sensational. If you haven't seen HBO's Rome, you'll you'll recognise her as Artia of the Julia. Because she's in HBO Rome doesn't make that she's she's uh, a well known. I thought she was Dawn French you. for a second there. I was what? like, is that, is that Dawn French? No, it's not. Polly, um, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I associate with these heathens. <laughs> Uh, look, can't look. All the actors did their job. I, there's there's very little differentiation of character, and for someone who's just immediately bored stiff by by anything that's that's ancient or um, set in a different time period, I, I I was. It doesn't suck me in at all, and I and that I put that bias on the table straight away. But the differences between the people and the houses and the brothers and there's so many characters, and I just like I can't work out who apart from the three or four main characters i was just like i don't know who any of you are and i don't really want to learn any of your names um they're all fine they're all absolutely no problems at all acting wise or or good i i just think i think it's sin is that it's painfully boring to me um really setting it was just really really slow it was like molasses it was so slow moving um that that extended scene where they're in the dance hall where they're all like every kind of pseudo uh, just Get on with it. Move on. And then there's a whole drawn-out process where no one's coming to visit her. Oh, boy, howdy. Like, it just seemed like it dragged forever. Did you listen to the dialogue during the scenes? Because those scenes were being narrated by the characters who were explaining what was happening as on, on the dance floor yeah, no, and the, the different I, moves. I got what happened. I just was bored shitless by the whole lot. I think um, you just don't like these shows. I, I don't think you no. like these shows that have these political connections and relationships and it's all about that dynamic. No, I, I you, you're wrong. I think I enjoy good versions of those shows. And, and, the, and the thing is, this, this this show was sold to to me honestly as a, a kind of bawdy, kind of you know highly sexualized kind of peek behind the uh, lace curtain. No, is how, how I'd always from from what I had heard, and particularly I think when you we see the the warnings up front, it talks about high impact violence, high impact sex scenes, and we get kind of you know. A bunch of L-shaped 
blankets and you know a couple of sort of minute sex scenes and that's kind of it like if i i don't know i i, I it didn't seem particularly bawdy the dialogue wasn't particularly salacious the, the, i the, there was just nothing to suck me in i'm i mean i was gonna ask you what what do you other than game of thrones what do you consider a good one as in as in what political kind of as in this type of show yet yet good as you say um look in in terms of kind of political intrigue I, I'd be more something like house of cards where there's a there's a genuine kind of power struggle between between those the, you know the kind of warring factions there um if you're going something and this has got kind of a almost slightly comedic tone yeah early, but it doesn't, early, it doesn't have purpose so I'd be looking at something like you know brain dead which is a like political intrigue that's got kind of a weird premise as well. I think there's better versions of it. I think the best version of it's Game of Thrones. Mm. That, I mean, that's a that's a high bar to set it to, particularly you know the early stages. But I just think there's enough intrigue and kind of like power struggles that are genuine power struggles. There's not real a power struggle here. It's more just like a class meandering like it doesn't uh, look i think that there is a struggle between them because they're all competing to get their daughters married off and that's kind of the premise of the the epi- of the, the episode and presumably the rest of the season um and you, i imagine the season follows the rest of their season as the people get married off and different people pair up i don't necessarily agree with that i thought the dialogue was was interesting i thought the the you, you could see the machinations happening you could see people debating that you had the Lady Whistledown narrating bits and pieces over the top periodically as he went through the episode, just as he had in, in Gossip Girl, which I thought was which I thought was good. I thought this show did a better job of introing the characters, whether that was via Lady Whistledown or via some exposition between with conversations between them. Another really interesting thing I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the music being played by the classical quartets and whatever in the background is actually modern pop music, just yeah. renditions of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I could, I couldn't name the tracks, but I, you can tell that they're kind of modernised. Yeah, songs. I was really disappointed. We've got a gossip magazine or a column, mm. not one mention of insiders, no pals, <laughs> uh, no telltale baby bumps. Like, where is this stuff in in these magazines? This this is New Weekly in the eighteen hundreds. Well, no, no, this this is, this is more. I think this is like a this is like a a, a one column pamphlet. Yeah, but it's the around. it's the precursor to New Weekly, guys. I, yes, I wanted pals, insiders, sources. Where are these people? You got to you got to start somewhere. I think what's really interesting here is I think the dialogue is really great between the main character um, of Daphne and the Duke. I think that's a really yes. interesting relationship straight away. They don't like each other, but they're willing to help each other. Yep. And I think that's a, that's, a, that's a different dynamic than what you've seen in the past. And I think that that chemistry was really quite obvious very very quickly. We've, yeah. we've been doing this story since bloody moonlighting. Like, of course, we you're telling, telling me we're not going to see them hook up at the end of the bloody. It's so damn predictable that we're gonna we're, we're gonna get to that point where they end up hooking up anyway. Like, Maybe. I, I, I don't think that. I don't I, think that's a particularly I, engaging. Shannon, we, we, we talked about this earlier when we talked when we did Sons of Anarchy, and it's just a story of Hamlet. We tell the same stories over and over again because. That's what people like. We, we like it. We like telling the same stories to each other. We just do but it in the new and different ways. The dialogue is so good. I thought it the dialogue is. was really, really good in this. Hmm. I thought it was really enticing the way they kind of quip at each other. And because it's spoken in in older English, you got to really focus on what's going on. And and the way they, the way they are. Uh, 
pronounce things and accentuate things. I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, and I really like some of I actually found myself laughing at some of the jokes, you know, when they're having dinner and the Duke's been invited over and and she says, oh, I'm really glad. Thank you so much for accepting my invitation. He says, how could I have, how could I have refused when my mother agreed to it for me before before I was even found out it existed? You know, I had a good, I had a bit of a chuckle at that. So I kind of liked some of that and I found that, that dialogue a little bit witty. So, oh yeah, I, I thought that was good. There is something I want to raise that's going to be a little bit controversial, and that's the histori- historicity, historical accuracy of this this TV series in that it actually shows people of colour as parts of the landed gentry. The Duke, who we've, we've talked about, is actually a, a young black man, which historically speaking didn't happen. We're talking about early 19th century, so early, 19, early 1900s um, UK, uh, at that period in time, the USA still had slavery. The slave trade was still going on and around the world. So Bridgerton kind of presents us with this kind of alternate history, re- alternate reality version of our world where where race doesn't seem to be quite such a big issue, which I thought was really interesting. I know it's very controversial and it's caused a lot of issues. Um, Has for, it really? Well, because there's, there are a subset of people who get really upset when you when you – change a historical drama to, and I said that with inverted commas and if people can't see me doing the, the inverted commas around historical drama and, and make it uh, a little bit ahistorical like that. I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware, but a little while ago, someone uh, on Netflix is a, a retelling of the siege of uh, the story of the Trojan horse and the fall of Troy and basically the Iliad. And they actually made Achilles, uh, who was a Greek warrior, a black character. And that caused a bit of drama on the internet. Because so, I mean, because apparently you know allegedly Greek people couldn't be black, uh, but which kind of misses the the point for me because it's a modern reinterpretation of a old story. So what, why can't we portray people uh, in in whatever role they want? Presumably, I mean we're going to really lean into our uh, our TV uh, at the name of our show, hardly TV history. But I was presuming that none of this was based on real real traditions of let's all get them all together and then from that event we marry off and then like that that whole this whole substructure did it actually happen like this is this actually based in historical accuracy i would assume so i I assume that that was absolute a fabrication for the show but that's the premise of pride and prejudice when they talk about you know mr darcy in the london season and things that's what they're that's what they're referring to so this is like a hyped up amplified sort of yeah yeah i think it was like a, a real a real amplified version of something that kind of happens yeah. organically. I don't know that there's actually a mixer, one mixer a year where people are kind of built. Like, yeah, I, I did, and, they, and then they That's, come in and call the next day. Do, I didn't do, know an issue. do you remember in school you used to have the debutante ball? Yeah, I, like I didn't go. Um, no, I was obviously cool. not, I can tell. Um, I, did, I, did, <laughs> I did two of them. I was so practicing awesome. my calligraphy. Um, <laughs> so, but, but I just assumed this was kind of a hyper-stylized version and, and it, it doesn't, I don't think it's trying to purport to be historically accurate. I think it's trying to to, no. to live in a, in a world in a world that, that it's kind of constructed. Yeah, and which the, is the right thing to do. Fact, yeah, and of course, if you're looking at historically accurate time periods, you are absolutely correct. Anyone that gets offended by that is kind of just a giant knob. Like that's <laughs> well, that's I, kind I can, of. I can, see them, I can see them being annoyed at the fact that you know th- this time period sh- there should have been more, um, not so diverse. But then it get, kind of goes a boring for the screen. But but um, then so that you just anything you said there you just don't you just don't have have any any people of color that have any like well, that's, is that what that's, people that's, want? Just, that's just your restriction and that's dumb like we've yeah. moved on from that so if you're going to go backwards you just 
you, you just let it be part of that universe. Yeah, and I saw an interview with um, a black actor one time who was talking about they were really angry that the only things that black actors could portray in you know period dramas and things were period were, were jobs as servants or slaves. You know where they get to see, where they get to portray abuse and trauma, and if that's the only way people see people of color in um, entertainment, you know it, it, it's very hard to try and break that stereotype and break that mold. It's it's more diverse than Gossip Girl, and and it's it's True. far it's far better at letting at just not even drawing mention of it, which was one of the the highlights of it. It was that simply that they it just were, and in fact, in fact, I didn't even kind of bat an eyelid at it. Um, and um, was the queen was the queen? Yes, she was. Duxton yes. as well. So so it just even the the most royal person the most regal person on screen was a person of color and nobody says anything and that that wins today like that's that's just the high bar just let it go and and people who get annoyed with that are probably not the demographic that certainly would a listen to this show and b that i care about their opinion but it also i don't think it even give a time period it doesn't give like a like a like a 19 it does 10. It does does do that. I didn't. I didn't it's know early eighteen hundreds. I think it's eighteen oh five or eighteen. Okay, but that's, that's interesting though that it actually gave you a time period then, mm. because it really shouldn't have. I mean, it's kind of referring us back to the historical accuracy of it, and then they give us that time well, period. And they talk about the queen's husband, the king, who's King George, who's and they talk about him being um, not quite there with his in his faculties, and that's Mad King George. So if you've ever known about American Revolutionary history, Mad King George is who the um, War of Independence was fought against, basically. So that's the kind of period we're talking about. So in our world, Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and all that sort of stuff were still alive and, and running around. So that's kind of contemporaneous with um, the, the period that the show is kind of depicting. But as we said, it, it's like a, a, an alternate history version of our world, which opens up the cast to much more interesting characters. And I thought the guy who played the Duke, whose name I unfortunately um, don't know, so sorry if you're ever listening, mate, but you did a fantastic job. I, I thought your presence on the screen was really commanding and uh, you, did, you did a really awesome um, portrayal of a, of a very privileged, wealthy Duke. <laughs> It's really, I mean, it's really a kind of a stupid question, but is it better because they're English? Like, I just is the accent better because they're English, and I, I, compared Could to Gossip Girl, where you see the normal American accent be thrown around, but everything just seems classier because it's all English. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, maybe. I, I, like I, mean, I think I like when I when I think historical period pieces, I think English. Like that's where my mind immediately goes, and I I just always like for me, it's just can I see any Sega Master Systems? in the scene if not it's it's pre-1987 is generally mm, where i see it so it's like sure. that's how i generally work it out time period wise um that's really the only two time periods that i care about pre, pre <laughs> <and> post. Post. <laughs> um so yeah i i tend to avoid anything pre sega master system 2 with alex kid built into the console guys oh, yeah alex kid it it's mm. straight there it's like mm. on the console mm. i do want to jump back to to the shannon saying how how boring the how drawn out it was and i think I think it had the opposite problem of of Gossip Girl without trying to rush things too much. But I think I think with with, with Bridgerton is that they they really tried to to show everyone, but they gave enough time with each character to show what they were what their intentions were. Yeah, I don't think they were rushing through the characters as much, and it, it may have seemed more drawn out and more time. I think it was roughly the same the same time of the same time. Yep. Yeah, but I, f- I felt like they explained the characters a lot better and gave you more time with each character 
in Bridgerton compared to Gossip Girl. They did, and they had flashbacks where you got to see the the birth of the Duke, and you saw his mother and his father at the time he was being born, and so they they took some time to explain some backstory there, uh, which which was which was really good. So yeah, they, they had slightly fewer characters. Um, some of the characters are kind of uh, morphed together, especially with the Featheringtons. Um, we don't really know much about the sisters apart from there's the youngest one um, has already has an interest with a with a young man who's a, I think he's a Bridgerton, so there's probably going to be yes. some interfamily drama and tension there. So that that'll be interesting to see how how that plays out. But they they didn't go too far to explain the, the characters who weren't important. They kind of like they're there, yeah, and they have names, but you don't need to know those names yet, and you no. don't really need to care about them yet. Like, I they were far more effective at at introducing the characters you need to know without any all the other fluff. It's just a shame that those characters I didn't care about, even though that they were less introduced than others. Well, shame on you. Well, that's fine. That's that's what I'm here for. Like I said, there's a balance, and I'm just the the outlier. That's no problems at all. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so so let's let's go back. It sounds like um, if I'm judging correctly, it sounds like Bridgerton is getting more ticks. Than Gossip Girl. If you had to continue watching a series, which one would it be? Oh, that's tough. Okay, yeah. So oh. if I had to, if I had to continue watching it, I think I would go Bridgerton. I just found the world a bit more dynamic and exciting and interesting. Um, so, and I'm, I'm keen to see how their season plays out and who winds up with who. And at the start of the first episode, we've got the the or at the end of the first episode, we've got the Duke and Daphne who have sort of formed their alliance to and the, with the idea of being not not to fall in love and to each pursue their own individual goals. Very strategic, you know. Will that last? Will it not? Um, as you say, Shannon, they're kind of being kind of being set up to fall in love after all and and wind up together. But to be honest, we just don't know how that's going to play out at, at this stage. So I, I'm going to go with Bridgerton. No, I've seen both, um, so I can't I can't really comment. But I, I will say I'm, I'm going to base it on the on the relationship between the two main characters, between um, Dan and Serena and the Duke and the other lady Bridgerton. Um, I, I don't I don't know where to fall, but I, I find the 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 communication, the way they talk to each other in Bridgerton, a lot better and more interesting. Uh, so I got to go Bridgerton as well. Very nice. Well, I, I'm I'm probably just going to play Alex Kidd in Miracle World rather than watch either of these two. But if I was to choose, it would be Bridgerton, and only because I want to find out if at any stage in the run does Lord Thistlewick Flanders turn up, um, <laughs> charmed, oogly oogly is all I want to see. That's it. That's all I want to see. Um, I will from. I will say that both these shows can be found on Netflix. So if you need to check them out on Netflix, absolutely Mate. check them out. Um, yeah. Yeah, and if you've liked Bridgerton, go back and check out Gossip Girl to see what uh, what was hot back in two thousand and seven. Can I ask really really quickly before we wrap things up, which which uh, narration system did you prefer? With and obviously one's modern and one's uh, older, but which which kind of which I, I felt like Gossip Girl was more intrusive, where where Bridgerton was just kind of like causing drama for the sake of dra- causing drama, where where I think Gossip Girl was trying to inform people. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, just, I, 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 I found them both the same. I, I think I think they're actually pretty effective um, narration devices, and there's an intrigue about who they are. So they're their character in of themselves. It's interesting that they're both had that little kind of nugget of of, um, of mystery and intrigue um, in that show. Um, and they both use period appropriate kind of tools to get the message out there. I I found the Gossip Girl just so two thousand seven. Very much. Yeah, it, it was. You I mean, know, teenage girl speak 
XOXO crap that so so I was way more into the Bridgerton. Yeah, but there's something nice about seeing you know what it was like in 2000 and the phones. Oh. Dude, the phones were amazing. Oh, Some of those phones, the the ones flip that flip things. sideways. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I was. You, you like, can still oh, watch community. You can still watch community now and watch people using Blackberries. Like it's bizarre. <laughs> um, and not a single mobile phone in Bridgerton, which I found yeah. weird. Like. Yeah. Very well, odd. Get on, get on with the program, dudes. Very Where's odd. your iPhones or whatever? Oh, they're all on i They're all on iWatches because they've really got pockets. So you use your iWatch and you have it just sort of tucked up under your sleeve. Oh, That's how, you, yeah. how it works. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what does annoy me? Just really quickly before I do the the outro, is these peanuts on the internet who are like, um, in episode seven, um, you can clearly see that there's an electric um light post, like. Man, they didn't transport in time to shoot this goddamn thing. Clearly, they shot it now, and they've they've done everything possible. Like that, the, the coffee cup, the coffee in, cup in Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones. That, yeah. that, that's a bad mistake. Like, that's, that's a that's, that's, an yeah, that's a bad mistake. But that's an error, on, guys. It's a like, TV if, show. If, if you're lighting, if you're doing things with electrics instead of you know doing it with gas, which is way more dangerous, I think it's okay. I just mm. I, if, if you've airbrushed out everyone, but that one shot in that one scene, I'm pretty sure there's a in Troy, your favorite movie. Uh, Christian, there's a shot of a of a sky and there's a plane in the background. Yeah, it's an is it's it? Like, I haven't seen it. Yeah, there is. Oh, I'm too right fixed on the action, mate. Right in the corner, and I think there's it leaves like a trail of smoke or. It's whatever. like, come Brilliant. on, guys. Brilliant. Just yeah. if that's as sad as you are, that's not genuine criticism. That's just being a nitpicking asshole. No, so, that's okay. I can retcon that. In the story of the Trojan War, there was um, apparently the gods were sort of watching from above. So it's obviously um, Zeus or Hera or yeah. someone observing yeah, the combat. The form of yeah. Seven three seven, like that's anyone right. does. As are um, you going to question the king of the gods on how he's going to present himself on earth? No. Wouldn't dare. Now, uh, so that's that's it uh, for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, make sure you check out the other show, uh, uh, Mars Podcasters. You can talk to us at any stage on uh, MarsPodcasters at gmail.com. You can also see our Facebook page. You can talk to us through Spotify. Um, and you can also hit us up on Twitter, which our handle is hardly TV history, the full thing. Is that is that right, yep. Christian? Yep. I, I set it up. At hardly TV history. Yeah, at Harley TV History. So um, you can get uh, get a hold of us any way you'd like. Um, any of the death mail or hate mail or letter bombs that are coming my way, uh, send them care of your local friendly post office and they'll look after it for you. Uh, so that's uh, that's it from, from me. Thanks very much for listening. Christian and Jake, any final thoughts? No, thanks so much for having us, everyone. Really enjoyed recording this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. You know you love me, XO, XO. I, I hate you so much. All right, you ready to call the outro? Yep, talent's here, let's go. All right, you want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm no. good. <clears throat> okay, hit me. Now remember, no cliches, funny, light, it's a podcast. Go. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's It's what, the most obvious but one. But that's what good trailers No, no, just no. On the edge of space. Shand. Bedroom, house, podcast, us, go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. We're a podcast. But We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just No, no, just go. Is it because the, no, you know, the T-Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stake? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends? I know you're a cock. This careful. Come on. Movies, podcasts. It's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. 
If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard? Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. <sighs> Shut up.